0: Sounds Like the Future, a podcast by Purdue University's College of Engineering. This episode features an interview with Rakesh Agrawal, the Winthrop E. Stone Distinguished Professor of Chemical Engineering in the Davidson School of Chemical Engineering. Professor Agrawal discusses his contribution to the future of energy sustainability And multidisciplinary collaborations extending far beyond chemical engineering. Well, welcome, Professor Rakesh Abramal, to our podcast. You've been on the College of Engineering faculty here since 2004. Let me ask you first for a quick overview of what is more than 15 years that you've invested at Purdue and perhaps what might be the most exciting milestones of accomplishment
1: and change that you've experienced here. So so it has been a wonderful 15 years like much 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 more than I I could have ever anticipated. And uh, when I came to Purdue 15 years ago, I came here with the thought of doing research in energy, field of energy, specifically renewable energy. Mm -hmm. And uh, as a chemical engineer, then I got interested into how to make low-cost solar cells from making nanoparticles and solutions. So the whole idea has been to print the solar cells. And these are all inorganic solar cells, so like such as... uh, Copper, Indian, gallium, selenites, and you know, then they were copper, zinc, tin sulfides, and now some newer materials, all inorganic compound semiconductors. And so the goal is to reach to a point where we can print them large areas and flexibles, just fold it, roll to roll, and and install it. And uh, so when I came to Purdue, there was I did not even have a lab or or anything, and today we have a full-fledged lab, world-class lab. And uh, we are already up to 15% and we are going forward. So hopefully in the next sooner rather letter, we will have achieved our 20% goal. That's the 20% efficient. That's what we are after. So so we have come from zero to 15. So I pretty feel pretty good. Like, it's like a chemical engineer, we can make a ink, print it and make it. So that's one area, which I'm very excited about. The other area, which I think, which I just got like four years ago is, uh, which is the offshoot of my solar work. And that is, how to grow food and make energy at the same time, because as a human race, if you we were to transition from fossil resources to solar resources, then what you're going to find is that uh, that the there's a constraint of land. So for example, right now, when we are in West Lafayette, <clears throat> if you drive around, what you find is that land is all empty. And, you, and one, just happens to believe that there's a lot of land. But if you were to come in summer, it will be all corn fields and soybean fields, okay? There's no empty land, really, okay? And we consume a lot of energy per capita. And therefore, if we wanted that amount of energy, we have a shortage of land. And so the question which we as a human race will have to face is either grow food or Produce energy, and uh, as a matter of fact, you can look around. A lot of farmers are now in the process of converting their land to giving them on lease for PV in the last two years. And uh, but four years ago, that I my group had done some calculations and some modeling work, and we realized that indeed not all the states, but at least half of the states out of fifty states have the shortage of land if they wanted to meet locally their their need. Okay, so so I got all excited. We got into it. And then I work with agriculture colleagues here in the agriculture department like Ms. Toinstra and others, and agronomists. And uh, so we have embarked on uh, what I call eclectic farming, meaning produce electricity <clears throat> without, without hurting the food production. And for that purpose, what we want to do is come up with the unique designs of the photovoltaic modules and manipulate the shadow on the ground so the plants are not deprived of the photons they need to grow food and yet share the solar spectrum to produce the electricity for us. So we have embarked on that, we have built our first plant at produce agricultural farmland here. And this summer, last summer was the first summer for us when we collected data on 1100 individual corn plants by hand-plugged, you know, and every crop was collected. What is its weight? What's its height? How many kernels? Everything and now we're going to correlate it with shadows, which it saw during the growing season, and then we'll. So I'm all excited about that. So i So that's another milestone which is in progress, I would say. And the third area which also excites me equally well is that as a chemical engineer, which is, goes back to my chemical engineering roots. So far, what I thought about was on the fringes of chemical engineering. But in chemical engineering, what happens is one of the big things about chemical plants is that we separate a lot of chemicals. We make a lot of chemicals. But when you make, we really can't make chemical, one particular chemical. Generally they come with a soup and we have to separate out a chemical. And since we have to separate out a chemical, we spend close to 40 to 60% of energy and capital, which goes on a chemical plant, just in separations. So that's a major unit operations in a plant. And uh, so when I came to Purdue, like you know, from because of my old job, I was still very interested in that. So on the sideline with a small group of students, I started fiddling with that, and I think we have made a world-class progress there. We have come up with uh, separation processes using distillations and membranes, which are as efficient as anywhere 10 to 50 percent better than in energy consumption than the previous generation. And we have a program which looks at millions of configurations, converges, gives us the answers. So for that, we had to develop new methods, tools, mathematical formulations, really. And, uh, and I'm very proud of that. I think uh, we have really had a lot of excitement doing it. And to the extent, like, just to give an example, like some of the applications like crude distillation, oil crude distillation. That's the largest distillation in the, in the world, actually. It consumes 2% of the crude just to distill. So it comes off the ground, diesel, naphtha, gasoline. Mm-hmm you know, kerosene, you need all those fractions. And so all you have to do is you have to separate them. The very first step comes out of the very first step and 2% of the fruit just goes in doing that. Okay. And uh, so we have come with the processes which can save anywhere from 10 to 30, 40% of, uh, of energy. Just doing that, which is a lot of, uh, reduction in co2 and and so forth so, so I, i'm pretty fairly excited actually so those are the i would say the important milestones and accomplishments and um, and the changes i've experienced on you by that you mean changes at purdue is that what you have in mind William? Mm-hmm. yeah if that is the case then i think purdue is is absolutely on an upward roll yeah i I joined Purdue because I thought there was a lot of excitement, but I think in the last five years, I think we have gone to the next level. The administration is absolutely, this is the right time to be at Purdue, in my opinion. I think we are on a upward slope, and uh, administration is very forward-looking, very strategic thinking, okay, from all the way from our president to, to dean. And uh, I truly, truly, enjoy the atmosphere, which is our very collaborative and the five initiatives you were referring earlier. Administration knows what's coming. They're willing to put the thing on it. And I will share an example with you so that you know how what I mean is, so I just told you about the electric farming which you were going to build. Mm -hmm. And so the last, uh, last winter, November, December time frame, the, the estimates came for how much it will take to build one of these things, on, on the one we, one we built, and the and I had put aside some money to build that, but the estimate was around two hundred forty thousand dollars more than what I had put aside, and so I was kind of given up. You know, we worked so hard, we had all these dreams, and we can't do it now because you know, from where I to raise that kind of money. Credit to Purdue administration. I talked to 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 Dean of Engineering and Dean of uh, Agriculture's office, BPR's office, my own department head, and they all agreed and they gave me the money to build it. And we built it and we collected the, the data. So that's what I mean, they're very future, they, were, they looked at it, here's the future, let's invest in it, and guess what? I had written another proposal to NSF on a similar subject and the reviewers wrote in the review, these guys will never be able to build this structure because it is very project intensive it is very expensive they will not be able to do it and so the nsf program manager would be saying that uh, here's the review how do you respond all i did was went to the farm took a picture put it in response two lines it's already done i love it okay a picture says Uh, a thousand uh, words yeah (laughs) okay and Guess what? We got the funding. That's great. Okay, we wow. got a huge funding order, Okay, so so that's what I mean. Like, so I, I think administration is very forward-looking and very supportive of the ideas and uh, and so forth. And uh, the only concern I do have sometimes is that let's see how long it goes. <laughs> okay, uh. I hope it keeps going because uh, I I think this will take certainly putting it to absolutely next level.
0: Well, certainly you're in a field uh, there with uh, sustainable energy and efficient photovoltaics that absolutely must keep growing and improving. uh,
1: uh, So we certainly are hopeful. Yeah, you you said it right. Like, you know, we, so don't get me wrong. Fossil fuels or fossil resources are not our enemy, okay? They have been our friend as a human race, okay? The reason that we are all sitting here and human race had made so much advancement, okay, I think is all because of fossils, okay? The ability to have energy in a concentrated form in a bucket Okay, and and being able to do so many things, okay, has transformed as we have never been before, okay. But I think just like everything else, time comes to bid a goodbye to a friend. Your mention of the collaborative nature of Purdue also made me
0: think of you know an overriding impression I get and I so many people get of Purdue, and that is the interdisciplinary nature and just the fact that. Your chemical engineering background is really just a part of all that you're doing. Is that not only a reflective of the Agrawal Research Group, but of Purdue in general, uh, vis-a-vis the, the faculty, the students? Is it really just interdisciplinary and multidimensional in ways that people don't even realize?
1: Very well said. I, I think one of the hallmark of Purdue when I came here, I had heard all the horror stories about academia. How professors work in isolation and this and that and uh, to my surprise uh, Purdue is just the way round. the campus is very very collaborative like for example like uh, in my own research for example in solar I collaborate with electrical engineers with material scientists with chemists okay and then on the electric farming when I had to start it I had to go back to agriculture I had to talk to the agriculture folks Mr. Twystra is the agronomist, okay, and Margaret, uh, she, is the, she is the water expert in agriculture department. So Sylvie Broder, same thing, okay, Margaret Gitao, same thing. So what I'm saying is the suddenly, not only that, the dean of, in, of agriculture, when I wanted to do aglectic farming, I wrote a proposal on campus, a pre-proposal on campus, she looked at that pre-proposal. And she declined that pre-proposal. I was so mad that it did not go through. I went to talk to her. She said, look, it will only go through if you go and talk to these, 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 uh, these people in agriculture.
0: Right?
1: I did not know anyone in agriculture. She gave me a list of seven, eight professors who, and I went and talked to all of them. Guess what? That was the best thing anyone could have done to me. Because I got the best three, four individuals. We're willing to collaborate, we wrote this proposal, we got this big fund, we are building it, we are going ahead. it. So, so the point is, not only people are naturally inclined towards collaborating, most of the people, but the administration also encourages it and makes it happen. That was the point I was trying to bring. Now, does that also extend to
0: the collaboration between faculty, administrators, and
1: graduate students, and even undergraduate students. True. Very yeah. true, very true. So the graduate students also like, so like in my case, for example, i dealing with graduate students which are in electrical engineering and material science and, uh, and other places. So it's not just, the, just the, the chemical engineering graduate students because the nature of research is very interdisciplinary. And it is very important that they all talk to each other and solve the problem. Okay. And uh, and and Purdue being Purdue, being a large engineering department, you can always, it's like a supermarket. If you want to do something and you don't know, don't worry. You know, you go look on the shelf, you find someone who's expert in the field, go knock on their door, and 90 out of 100, they'll be willing to collaborate okay, and help you out. So, so that's how I look at look at Purdue, and not only engineering. I think the other thing which I like, for example, some of my collaborators, as I said, are outside the college of engineering. Okay, mm-hmm. so for example, one person I collaborate a lot. His name is Mohitaur Ormelani He's in he's in Krennerty School of Business. Okay, he's a mathematical genius, and uh, so what that means is whenever I need some important mathematical inputs to solve some very complex mathematical models had knocked on his door and and he's very happy to help.
0: And a part of the collaborative nature also is that so many professors and students have real passion for the kind of work, the kind of research that they're doing. So it just prompts me to ask, how did you get interested even 15 years ago or even before in your previous academic life? Uh, what interested you in the energy field and what is followed?
1: So I must say, my so the old job was I was in industry. Okay, so I worked for a company called Air Products and Chemicals, and uh, and a very classical chemical engineer. Okay, who I built gas separation plants. Okay, so ultra high purity oxygen, ultra high purity nitrogen, things which go in the semiconductor industry. The revolution took off liquefied natural gas, so very traditional chemical engineering, as you would know, okay. And then what happened was that when I was at Air Products and Chemicals, near the end of my, before I left, like two, three years before, the chief technology officer of Air Products asked me to do an internal study on emerging waves, both technical as well as social, because what Air Products was trying to see was what are the new areas they can get into. So it was a surprising assignment to me because for, for four months they gave me a time off, quote unquote, go study whatever you do and come back and tell us people are getting more old, people are getting married late, you know, and many other things and nano nanotechnology is coming and this and water and just prepare a document. So I prepared a document, I presented it internally. It was very well received and so forth. But then after that thing passed by, I realized that the the world was full of beautiful things, okay, and one of them was energy, okay, and I realized that uh, that energy was an emerging wave where we as a society had to move, okay, and to be honest with you, William, I felt a little depressed after that, after the euphoria of finding new things, presenting it, administration being very happy with me, and, you know, pat it on the back and everything, and then suddenly you... After four or five months, when all that have quieted down, you know, you sit alone and you tell yourself, hmm, so what am I doing? Suddenly, whatever I was doing there became fairly, shall we say, not very meaningful. Mm-hmm. Okay. And as the luck would have it, total coincidence, okay, in life sometimes you totally luck out, okay, what do you approach to Chemical engineering department. I did not come to Fordham. Chemical engineering department knocked on my door and said, would you be willing to join us? Wow. I just could not believe it. Of course, they did not know the, the period I was going in back at Airparks, uh, the thoughts, they were totally oblivious to it. And, uh, and after initial hesitation, I, it took me a year and a half to decide, by the way, to come here. It really? was not a simple decision because life at Air Force was very cool. Okay, it was very comfortable. Okay, and uh, I was at the top of the technical ladder. Okay? I had a great team. Okay, it was absolutely phenomenal life. I would I have to admit. Okay, and sometimes you don't know what is on the other side, and uh, and there's always an element of risk, and there is always an uncertainty as to if you go there, what would happen. I've never taught, never done individual wow. research. But after a year and a half, one day my wife and I were discussing and I said, okay, it's, life is getting boring here. Let's go shake it up. <laughs> <laughs> okay, So accepted the offer and came. And then um, when we were driving on Pennsylvania Turnpike from Allentown, Pennsylvania to come down to West Lafayette, it's a 10, 12 hour drive, right? So we're sitting, driving, my wife is asked, so what are you going to do now? We packed everything in the, in the minivan and we're driving. And then I said, yeah, what am I going to do now? Yeah. Okay. And then I told her, okay. Energy is coming, let's go and make solar cells. And she looked at me and says, what do you know about solar cells? I said, nothing. That's the point. (laughs) And speaking of that kind of inspiration,
0: you've received special funding from the NSF Research Traineeship Program for Graduate Education in STEM. Please talk about that for a
1: minute. So the National National Science Foundation has this uh, research training program, NRT, so... So when we decided to do electric farming, and it goes back to the theme you were asking earlier about the interdisciplinary thing, because if you're going to be putting photovoltaic modules on agriculture farmland, okay, then suddenly it intersects with food, water, and energy. right? So we're suddenly at an axis. And uh, what we found out was that the students, none of the students were equipped to do that research, mm. because as a chemical engineer now, I have to know about agronomy. I have zero knowledge, right? Agronomists have to learn about energy and photovoltaics. They have zero knowledge, yeah. And the agriculture economists have to learn not only about agriculture now, but the energy business and, and combine them together. So what happened was, like, I got together with the colleagues on campus. We all got together from uh, from agriculture economists, uh, economists and the agronomists, the water experts, myself, electrical engineers we all got together and we wrote this interdisciplinary proposal so that we can educate the students into this interconnected field and we were very fortunate I must admit like uh, we got funded the very first time we wrote the proposal okay for NRT generally that doesn't happen you have to try a couple of times so but we lucked out okay and so as soon as we got this proposal, what we did was we made new courses on food, energy, water, which we off, we have offered for the last two two years, and then made another interdisciplinary course on uh, on energy systems and economics and how to analyze them, and we offered that course. And then we we also designed a new course on uh, one of my colleagues, Natalie Duval, Like you know, she designed a course on uh, genders and. Uh, training the students on understanding women's issues leadership issues and so the students not only learn the typical stem things but they also learn at the same time the softer skills which is which i think are equally necessary to to succeed so so the sanati program has been very really great because uh, the cohorts in this program they are from all over the campus Mm-hmm. So, and uh, the most wonderful thing in my mind has happened is that all these 15, 16 individuals, okay, which are totally different, but which you would otherwise never meet, they've formed a cohesive bond. Mm-hmm. They talk to each other, they exchange things. Just to give you an idea, like in the last summer, we collected data on, on 1100 individual con plants. Now... We had to measure the heights throughout the summer. We had to see when the tessels are coming, when the corn ears are coming, and we had to collect each one individually. It's a very tough task, but all these students, the cohorts, they got collected together every week, alternate week. They would go collect all the data individually, every plant, log it in, oh, and a very manual. But, but that's the feeling of comradeship and, right. and doing things together. So this NRT program has been... Really wonderful for us. It's not always the case that that
0: interest in diversity and that progress in diversity also leads to cohesion. Sometimes the the drive for diversity uh, veers off into kind of separate tasks for different people, and yes, but, but, uh, and it sounds like that's quite uh, you're, that's easily avoided. They are, yeah. and,
1: and and they're all learning from each other, and they're very energized folks. Actually, they all are. They are young. They are. Uh, Passionate about future, and they're all driven to contribute to the society. That's what I find. And, and that's very exciting to see all these young individuals. Like, you know, that means what that means is for people like me, the future is secure. And expanding on that idea of diversity, obviously Purdue is also
0: very international, and certainly all of the issues that you're researching are very international. Yeah. yeah. Any thoughts about special resources
1: that the college or that Purdue in general have for that pursuit of international scope? Yeah, so Purdue has collaborations with countries like India and China and other places and uh, and so we have been getting students through those programs like Columbia, I had someone from Columbia and I had someone from India so they come and they visit my lab for six months to a year and uh, do joint research and and then they go back so so we have been doing that actually, and uh, but ultimate test is like some of these things we come up with like they are more needed outside America than it is needed for us. By the way, like in the sense that some of the countries, if you look, which are very densely populated, they're all still they have to pick up economically. Okay? Right. And and maybe they can do these things which we have been developing and, and just like uh, what happened to the cell phone did, right? People bypassed the landline phones yeah. and they directly went to the cell phones. So hopefully things we're doing could directly go to the, into those countries and they could directly leap forward and right. skip all the intermediate steps. Mm-hmm. So so that's the goal. And and Purdue is does, does help with their international collaborations and programs. And, and there are a number of programs, not just one or two actually and people students come some come and they work and they leave and some stay i've had both experiences
0: yes i know that office focused on global competency yes, yes. lots of programs lots of, like multiple trips
1: multiple yeah you know? so like yes. a, a student in my group for example just uh, just went two two summers ago he went to india for with uh, with a professor in material science like carol handworker with whom i collaborate like you know with her she, he went for, for two-week trips and did a lot of local things and came back. so
0: And coming or being in touch with the individuals at the international level reminds me of one of the motivations behind what are called the Purdue Engineering Initiatives, the PEIs, and that's term engagement, making sure that Purdue is engaged with all sorts of other institutions, do you operate also not just at the personal level, but with other governments and their programs, and
1: obviously multinational corporations, etc. Yeah, very true. Like so, we do interact with number of places. Like, 3M would be another example uh-huh. for our eclectic farming, their dichroic mirrors and things. And uh, on NRT, we have a number of people. Like we have people from World Economic Forum on it, and uh, for. Uh, Others, we have chemical companies like ExxonMobiles, Dow Chemicals, Eastman Chemical. like they're all part of my research. or universities like Texas NM University, you know, sorry, like FAMO Florida NM University is also part of the NRT program we talked about. So Florida NM, the students like listen to our courses, we interact with them. And uh, so that's another one. And we do interact with national apps too, like uh, such as, uh, such as... Uh, national renewable energy lab for solar research and uh, because they're very big on solar and in the past i've got to gone to europe interacting with epfl as well as helmut center for materials material and energy so on as needed basis when it is needed the interaction is is uh, last year on my sabbatical i went to university of melbourne for developing interaction with them CSIRO in Australia, the Council of So, then have done some programs with them. We are writing now joint papers with them really? on, on printing how to print the solar cells. So the point is that in the world of today, you, you just can't avoid these these kind of collaborations.
0: Right. Well, that's good. And yeah, the uh, I know that three D printing there's a there's another name for it that engineers use more typically, but it's easily visualized as 3d printing but that field itself is kind of morphing and evolving in ways that people don't imagine right
1: yeah that's correct so you have to so so surprising we found a surprising use of 3d printer actually so when i was in australia in australia i visited csir lab and uh, there are the scientists very smart Mm -hmm. one of the scientists is very like some of us are like i'm not i'm good but not that good like this person was really good He's, he's really good, like, he's, he's very good with his hands. Uh-huh. He can, it looks like he can build anything. Okay, that's how I put it.
0: That's
1: and he had built this 3D, he had taken a 3D printer and converted it to print solar cells. Okay. And I looked at it I said, wow, you, you know, Dujeng, this is great, you know, how, how do you do And then I sent one of my gadgets students there, and uh, now we have things in the lab, oh. okay? And... We have modified. We bought 3D printers, like four of them. Modified them. They do all. Excuse me. They do all kinds of things. They print, quote, develop like you know, so. So I'm all excited about that. So, so the only thing I can think to to
0: close on is simply just your own impressions of the future. You are uh, obviously very hopeful about the future. But energy is such a broad and big issue uh, in our politics and in our society overall, and even as it relates to climate and sustainability of all sorts, do you really see us as a country and as a world at some kind of pivotal point now where there really are new hopes to be pursued at places like Purdue and the College of Engineering?
1: Absolutely. I think we, as as, as United States of America, we are a very blessed country, actually. I think uh, we have all the elements it takes to move in the right direction okay. in spite of all the noises like you know we all it's a human nature right so we hear all about you put 100 people together things but I think what makes us unique from anywhere else in the world is but still we move in the right direction eventually okay and uh, and I came to America as a young 21 year old individual and I've been here since then And as the time has passed by, I have more and more confidence, okay? I I think this is absolutely the greatest place you could ever be, okay? And uh, so we are very innovative. We we take our responsibilities. As a society, we are really kind-hearted. We are there to help others, okay? And uh, we are worried about the environment, okay? On an average, we are, okay? And we acknowledge that, so so I think uh, things are moving in the right directions, and uh, we will. I'm certain we will keep the lead of what happens, but let's face it: the world is progressing also, okay? And uh, and and this is for good because that means more people are developing things. Right. That means there are more brain brains working on it. That means more things will happen, right? So on a positive direction, I think. Uh, I, I I see some of the competition as good, okay, because that means you know we as a human race will get there faster, and uh, so inherently I'm very optimistic. I think uh, the future is going to be f- far better than than the three of us who are in this room have lived. Gee, okay, that's <laughs> okay, because let's face it. Like when I was a kid, the future, the present we are living, none of us could have imagined that. It's very comfortable. It's the cell phones, the, the car, the whole, everything. The life is in general is far more comfortable than it was 40 years ago. Right. And I, I think this trend will continue. Okay. Thank you
0: very much. A great story of progress and uh, hope and collaboration. Thank you so much, Professor. You're more than welcome. It was fun talking. Thank you. Thank you. The future is just beginning at the college. In this episode, you heard from Rakesh Agrawal, representing the Davidson School of Chemical Engineering. Learn more at engineering.purdue.edu C-H-E. Our original theme music, More to Come, is by C. Chris Peters. Production assistance by Purdue graduate and staff member Saad Mukhtar. This is Bill Schmidt. Join us again for Sounds Like the Future.